Since the first of 2021, there have been many a great firsts. Firsts such as vaccines and the FDA vaccine approvals. As each day goes by, there is the hope that another first will return to our daily lives. In this 360 performance episode, Dr. Whiteman will be talking about starting back to school. Another first. Yes, butts in seats, back to school. This seems like a first since the pandemic took us to a virtual world of learning almost two years ago. So, who better to join Dr. Whiteman than the family nurse practitioner, Amy Morin. Amy will not only share her health insights for starting back to school, but will also give us her perspectives as a mom. Dr. Whiteman will say goodbye to Amy as she is on call to help her sister welcome her first baby into our world. The last half of the show, Dr. Whiteman becomes coach and talks about fans in the stands to start the NCAA and NFL football seasons. 360 performance, sharing performance, insight, first. Rock and oh man, it's like I'm delivering something. It's just, just unbelievable. I got so excited about this. So what we're talking about is Amy's sister uh, delivered a baby yesterday, a healthy uh, nine pound plus boy to the, the, the world we live in. Uh, she's gonna be on, she is on call to go help and support her sister. But today, before she does that, we're gonna talk about going back to school. What moms and dads, oh my God, this is just amazing. What moms and dads have to do to get ready for school. It's way different than what it was last year because it's virtual, not virtual, mask, no mask, vaccine, no vaccine. I mean, good gosh, there's so many questions that moms and dads have to answer that affect the sublime. Like, okay, I'm going to pack their lunch with a different mindset now. Do I pack their lunch so that they can get away from everybody? So only give them food that they can eat that they can't share with other people? I mean, there's just so many different dynamics to starting school. So welcome, Amy, to our show today and going back to school still amidst pandemic, but pandemic part two, I think. Thank you. It's great to see everybody today. And thanks for having me have me on with you it's always a pleasure so amy let's start the first question off with what are you what do you recommend that moms and dads need to think about in talking to their kids about getting ready for school this year and some of this is coming um in the wake of about a week to and a half um of school that uh some of some of the surrounding areas you know kids are back already um and um yeah i think thinking about continuing the conversation about remembering how to stay safe and remembering how to take care of ourselves that within that when you're going back to school there's some things we have to get back in the practice of let's remember to start practicing washing our hands Um, we can't do that we use hand sanitizer wearing masks you know and that's going to depend on some of the uh, requirements um, the differences in requirements in different schools and um, what the recommendations currently are. Um, So parents have a big responsibility to be up to date with that, and they may even need more than one source. They're gonna have the information coming in from the superintendent of their school district and or their principal, and then also maybe what their pediatrician's recommending. And then maybe also being abreast of the CDC's latest recommendations is still a really good resource for sort of what's the latest on status of remaining safe, precautions to take um, with regard to COVID-19 and where we are in the pandemic. So I have some thoughts about some of the upsides of this round, part due, as you were saying, um, 
we know more and as a result we get to go into the year knowing that for instance um, some um, some early school events or back to school events can be held outdoors and there can be some kind of welcoming even if it needs to be mindful and certain precautions need to be taken and so it helps with just orienting families especially those who are in coming into a new school you know all of the kindergartners and sixth graders out there going into middle school and you know freshmen going into high school so that's a really nice thing and i think some schools are doing a great job with you know the principals and the leadership there um, finding ways to to welcome people and to have it be more informational, more of a gathering point, but also safe. That said, it's a little nerve wracking because we also know that there are um, some concerns with how Delta is definitely floating out there. It's on the rise. It spreads much more rapidly. We all know this. Um, it's more contagious and it's still, it's passed through um, pediatric populations. So kids and, and middle schoolers who aren't vaccinated in particular. Um, as well, so a lot of, brings up a lot of questions. So, so. let me let me ask you a, a focus question on what you just said about communication channels. You know, because we've got all this information that needs to be kind of compartmentalized and then uh, shared, and there's constant discussion about this the the quality of the source of communication. People have questioned the CDC. People have questioned the FDA. People have questioned their their local uh, and and state. Uh, healthcare professionals and as to whether or not they're valid or I should even listen to them. And then all of a sudden that opens the door to communication channels just from the community and community support groups. I mean, I'm sure you've heard the report uh, on the, on the uh, national news about uh, a veterinary worming product for horses that people are taking as a solution for COVID. I'm going, what, what is that? So I'm not trying to talk about that, but I'm using it as an example of the communication channels get a bit foggied. <laughs> um, and I'm, I'm asking your opinion about what are, the, what are the solid communication channels to count on and what questions should you ask of the ones you listen to to make sure you're getting good information? Right, that's a really good question um, that, and I think that it's hard to answer because um, because everybody has to make the best decision for themselves yeah. and go with what they trust. And so I think trusted individuals, I know a lot of people um, are feeling like they just don't know, you know, they, they don't know any one information source um, that is the most reliable or the best. And um, my, my, I guess my, my response, I mean, we could spend a long time just talking about that one, just yeah. one subject, but my response really is that I think you, utilizing a couple of forms of the best information out there. And I do think that while um, these bigger entities, um, there are some, there are, there's some faultiness and some things that fall through the gaps and there's constant hard-working people trying to put out good information I do believe in uh, you know with the CDC it's it's not our it, you know it, it it's reliable and the way that they're putting out information is still based in the best research that we have it's not perfect and yeah. it's this is this is a big it's a it, this pandemic has really challenged I think our our communities and our world at large and how humans 
handle, you know, in our in our in our daily life right now, you know, something like a pandemic that's constantly challenging us. And one of the things I read in a, um, a recent article, I think it was out by the, it might have been a New York Times opinion article, but I just really liked the way that it was presented is that, you know, science is, is traditionally and for a very long time, the Western medicine world and, and science and how the scientific process occurs is very methodical and it goes through this process and it has to take the time it needs to take to collect good data and to then analyze it. And um, what's happening with COVID is COVID doesn't have, COVID's on its own timeline <laughs> and is acting very quickly. And so it's really hard to keep up with and ahead of it. And I'm not saying it quite as eloquently as it was written, but I think that it's just really helpful to keep in mind that that we may not be happy with what, what information we have, but we we can be not we can be unhappy with it, but that's what we have. And so we can make a choice about how we go about handling it. And you know, so I, I'm just continuing to, to work on being up to date and trying to utilize um, bigger bodies of, of, of um, evidence or, or research that's out there um, and also talking to colleagues who I trust. And I would say the same for, for people out there who um, do are fortunate to have a, a provider that they know either in the family or, or through their healthcare that they feel like they have a relationship with and can ask those questions and don't be shy to ask the question and to challenge, you know, the medical, the medical field to answer. So we're all challenging ourselves to answer this. Yeah. Questions. So with, with that point, Amy, are do you feel you and your colleagues are getting and or creating enough of a voice, a loudness of your voice to channel your communications effectively? Or are you getting muted or, or diffused because of what the, the universe is giving. I mean, there's so many sources, so many different channels that are being looked at. I'm just wondering, maybe you guys are getting lost in the shuffle. Yeah, I think there are probably providers out there that might feel that way. Um, I feel um, I feel very reassured about the benefit of, of the technology that we have and the back uh, the the, the advancements that we have and the tools we have at our fingertips. The only way to get over this and through this pandemic is with vaccination, with continuing to push forward with vaccination. And it isn't going to take care of every single case of COVID out there. But if you look at numbers and you look at the benefit of, of vaccination over the last six to nine months, you see that we're in a much better place. And it's not it's not where we'd like to be, but it's better. Um, it's not following a nice little linear pattern where we're just kind of like, you know, moving along and, and cruising, but we're, but, but it's better. And when people are getting sick, they're not as sick, you know? So let um, me, let me ask you about you, of, you as a, let me ask you as you as a mom and as a medical practitioner and professional, you have a 12 year old. I'm not saying you do, but let's say you have a 12 year old and what, what do you, what's the answer to the question about vaccinate or not vaccinate for you as a mom? And what do you consider in trying to make that decision? Right. So I consider the evidence and I consider um, what what the approvals are, because those approvals are based on the evidence in terms of what's the what's approved for what. Um, and that's what actually leads to a second sort of uh, 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 answer to your question um, about what you can even do for yeah. uh, any aged um, patient at this point in, in time. So um, and I I feel confident in the vaccination from a perspective of the risk of something of harm is very low 
one of the questions has been, is immune response similar enough to adults that you're going to get as good an immune response? Is yep. similar enough? What we're seeing is that, yes, that's true. So I feel like there's enough evidence out there. I'd like more. Um, but that I would, I would, hypothetically speaking, if I had a 12-year-old, get my child vaccinated ASAP, you know, on their birthday. Um, yep. Because it's, it's the risk of getting COVID or passing it is so much higher and there's so much more potential detriment that that having the vaccination to me I believe in them and I don't think they're causing any kind of um, undue harm you know um, within a very very low percentage rate of, of any of complications compared to like the millions of people who've had the vaccination so I think um, but the second part of that is um, just interestingly, you know, where we are with the vaccinations and there, depending on which one you're talking about, Pfizer's now fully approved, but for 16 yep. and older, they've got, you know, emergency authorization use for the um, 12 to 16 range. And we're working on um, the latest I've heard is there's hope that the end of September or October, we're going to be able to be vaccinating the seven to 11 year olds. And that's like unofficial. Yeah, you know, but that's kind of what we're hearing. And so I'm just like, can't wait because, you know, I think that's going to make such a huge difference um, because because of your background, Amy, and your alma mater, John Hopkins, being such a wonderful repository of data and details. What do you say to people when they question the Myrna transportation vehicle, if you will, of the vaccine from Pfizer and uh, Moderna? And they think that it's not it's not good enough. It's not there's not been enough time. Now I know from the research I've done on peer-reviewed documents, research documents, which are very complicated for most people, but those documents say that we've been looking at uh, MR, um, the MR, the Myrna, sorry, <laughs> Myrna process since 2004. It's been used in in flu and in, in flu, influenza with cancer uh, vaccines and, and different things. So the technology is well proven, just not with data from COVID. But as a as a vaccine transport vehicle, it's there. It, it's it's well tested, which is why the speed of its approval for both emergency reasons and now with the FDA with Pfizer happens so quickly. What would you add to that scenario to help people feel more confident? about the Myrna vaccine modality and, and used by Pfizer. Right, so you're referring to the mRNA or Myrna um, mRNA um, uh, technology with that type of vaccine, yeah. which is what Pfizer and Moderna are using. Um, and it is it is it has been studied for quite a bit of time, like you just uh, sort of recounted for us and summarized. And, and so what we're seeing is, is real life use of it. And um, what we're studying and as we're using it is, you know, and trying to kind of um, reassure ourselves of in the medical community and the world at large is, is that in fact, it's doing what we know it does. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, that the technology is, is, um, is functioning the way we understand it to function based on the studies that were already done. With COVID, it's, just like anything, that's why there. That's why there's this whole question about boosters. Because at what point is that? Is the immunity, the vehicle, the mRNA, continuing to do what it needs to do at an adequate level to continue to um, confer immunity or, or or have us immune enough to um, really be really work? 
Um, and I think that it's the, all that's there. Um, and I wish I had a better answer than like, we'll have to see because yeah. we can't predict the future yet. We haven't figured out how to be able to do that. Um, but we can trust that the that the, it's all actively happening and that um, it's all meaning that, that the research is, is happening and we're, we're, you know, that's one of the awesome things about humans is how, um, you know, despite what it feels like, sometimes we're pretty innovative and flexible and we can handle this, we can do it. And the more we work together, the better. Well, you know, and the more we, sh we look out for not only ourselves, but our communities, the better we're gonna get these answers that we want and the better we're gonna do going into, you know, today, tomorrow and, you know, weeks and months and years to come. See, so. my, my confidence about vaccinations is higher than most because I'm old enough to have experienced polio vaccines, rubella, which is measles, mumps, and, and so on, as, yeah. well, as well as um, the experimentation with influenza vaccines for SARS and, mm -hmm. and other things. So I know that we have to wait and see because I was part of the wait and see community. And now I'm there again with COVID. So many of the people who have difficulty understanding the wait and see mindset and the confidence in the technology to go with that wait and see um, attitude um, are young. They, they've never gone through this before. It's concerning to them, especially when they have yeah. children and or they are still childbearing of childbearing age and wondering, I'm not pregnant now, but do I take a vaccine and, and run the risk of a miscarriage? I've had those comments made to me. Yeah. And I, I don't have, like you, I don't have an, a, a really accurate, confident answer for them because it is a wait and see. I don't know. You might be one of those unfortunates that that make up the data pool of those who have an impact because of the vaccine. And that's right there, the beauty of having the technology at our fingertips and being able to use it as quickly even as painful as we waited for that, yeah. as quickly as we have had the vaccination, um, I don't know, the best analogy I can come up with is having cake, having your cake and eating it too, right? Like we want to have the best technology and the best treatments and, and everything at our fingertips, but then we, of course we don't want to have to suffer the consequences of anything that comes with you know, not knowing everything. So it's it's really hard. It's really hard. And that's what we're all grappling with. And everybody kind of, um, people have different ways of digesting that information. And I really empathize with anybody out there who is struggling to understand and is in other areas of, of um, uh, their careers or, or their knowledge base isn't really in medicine because it's so daunting. And it's daunting for those of us in medicine. But um, this is very important. Com this is very important conversation for us to have. But I'm gonna I'm gonna soften it a little bit and come back to, <laughs> come back to your mom experiences yeah. uh, with this with this example. Okay, so I'm I'm standing at the door with you. You're gonna send me off to school, and you're you're saying to me you don't need to wear your mask. And I'm saying to you, mom, but I want to wear my mask because it's got Spider Man on it, and I want to wear my Spider Man mask. But you don't have to, hon. You don't have to wear your Spider-Man mask. You don't have to wear your mask at all because you get a choice. No, 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 mom. I want to wear my Spider-Man mask. So what do you have? What kind of dialogue do you have with your, your child about that scenario? So you get them out the door and then get to the bus. That's the timing thing, the realities of the day, right? But also to share with them a lesson about you have choices. 
what mm-hmm. the, there's moms and dads out there that don't know you're not you don't have to wear your mask take your mask off i mean what right. there there are lessons here we've got opportunities to really support the learning experience with our children what do you say to them as a mom yeah and i look for those opportunities to um, give them a real consistent message and then and then to give them much smaller than what you think they don't need a lot. They just need a couple of options, right? Yeah. Two choices. So um, on your way to school, you get to decide what you do with your Spider-Man mask if it's on or off. When you get into school, then you wear your mask because that's what everybody in school is doing to make sure everybody stays safe, you know? So, and then I, that's, you know, kind of the way presenting really simple. And this is for my six-year-old. My older child is um, in a different scenario, and so I have a more, a more, a slightly more in-depth conversation with her about it. But telling, giving kids the option, is it's asking a lot of them, and I, I think that like, I believe with with safety and health, um, it's really important for kids to be able to be exercising that, but also not putting them at risk or putting too much on them to expect them to be making the right decisions for themselves when it comes to the complexity of what we're dealing with. So, you know, it's um, it's like there are times when you're outside and you can decide, you know, I trust you, you know, my middle schooler to, to decide if you're in close quarters with somebody outside, you might put your mask on, but you know, you get to choose that. But um, when you're inside and you walk inside, you wear your mask. This could be perhaps the last question before we have to have you leave us. And it's yes. extending the day. So they're on the bus or they're at school now. They, it's lunchtime. And I'm wearing my Spider-Man mask because I love to wear my Spider-Man mask. But mom says, be careful at lunch on how close you are to people. You have choices. So I've got my lunch with me. What do you say to them about the social interactions now about the, what happens? I'm going to trade this sandwich for your dessert. (laughs) We're going to have these exchanges. Do I change my conversation? Do I get fretful about that conversation? What's the lesson I share with them that with that? About, yeah, about sharing. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I mean, I, I work with, that's a hard one. Um, and I think sharing what, you know, we're safer when we eat our own food and, the, the, you know, that what you do when you're making, you know, on your own making those decisions is, um, you know, where you have your opportunity to, to make good choices. And it's kind of like anything with kids, making good choices or how you talk about that with your kids, um, um, you know, good choices and, and consequences and like talking about, hey, do you want to be able to go play? You know, um, hey, you you know, in my case, it's like we have a very, very, very special person coming into our lives. Your baby cousin's coming. So we want to be able to see that baby cousin, right? So what things do we need to do that we can control to make sure we're extra safe for that? So just finding, you know, um, it's a lot of it's just, it's, you know, child development, like understanding where your kid is and what helps them, what motivates them and what they're going to remember and think about. Um, so when my son gets to school, he might, you know, uh, want to go sit with his buddy and, and trade sandwiches, but he might maybe, hopefully, remember that he's got a baby cousin on the way. Yeah. And so it's having this, you know, planting that seed for what is this something that they want, you know, and, and connect what they want with, with the behavior that you're looking to help them with. Well, as we, um, as we, as we part for today, I want to remind everybody that um, 
If you have questions for Amy about uh, health issues, uh, about the family and health issues and how to make those conversations about goal setting, about setting standards of behavior that you hope that the child will get it. Because <laughs> they're young kids, they got lots of distractions that get into their heads. But I'm, I'm confident that they are resilient and have um, more capability than I give them credit for sometimes. Send a send an, uh, a request to us at 360mindset.com. That's 360mindset.com. Ask Amy um, uh, any questions you might have for her about that, and I will share those with her and, and get back to you with answers. A shout-out to Avista Hospital and all the great work that they do in bringing new life into this world. The best to you and your sister on her, her, her first child. Amy, thank you so much for sharing with us. She will be back with us soon enough about more health issues uh, that she can uh, comment on. The, the next one, I'll, I'll kind of prime this up a little bit. We're going we're gonna to talk about, um, before the end of the year, holiday times, nutritional issues as it relates to um, the health and well-being of family and especially kids. I love talking with Amy about, about kids because she has more than a casual source of information about that. Um, make sure your son makes good choices on his hats, okay? I love his hat selections. He's such a, uh, a fashionista with regarding his hats. So thanks a lot, Amy, for taking the time to, to share with us today. My pleasure. It's great to see you, and um, everyone be well. Take care. All right, we're back live in studio with just me, just, uh, just wonderful good old Dr. Whiteman here. We're going to continue our discussion about, gosh, the COVID situation is so interesting, but it's, you know what, I don't want to diminish the impact, but it's not any different than preparing for measles or mumps or uh, influenza uh, or heck, just the common cold. Every viral or bacterial illness we encounter has a cycle. And based on our behaviors, we will influence that cycle. Our influence will impact how we deal with it. If regretfully, if you encounter those things, you, you get a cold, um, you get the flu, you regretfully, you might get COVID. I hope you have a vaccine. That's the message I want to emphasize from our comments from, from uh, Amy Morin uh, is get vaccinated and protect yourself from the severity of the virus. It's proven, very dramatically proven. With the vaccine, you diminish your chances of having extremely ill effects from the virus and, and, and going to the hospital and, and hopefully uh, not dying. That's what's been proven by getting vaccinated. It's been proven regretfully by the incidences of not being vaccinated. Those people who are in the hospital with COVID, who have died in the recent weeks from COVID, it's been documented they were not vaccinated. So please use the data, use the information, use the reality of what's happening as a motivation to get vaccinated. Now, for some of us, it's also been very well proven that they're going to get in line to get vaccinated. That's wonderful. But then we have this variant D that's out there. And it's there because we waited. We as a population waited to get vaccinated. Now the United States is the ex example of what we should have done is getting vaccinated. We are examples to the world of not making that happen and has increased the chances of variant D uh, infecting other people. Now here's, here's the science about this. And you can agree or disagree with me on this, but the science is there. And the science based on empirical data, what that means is people have studied this. 
independent study, not from a drug manufacturer, not from a group that wants to make their point clear versus someone else. This is researchers, scientists that study this stuff and look at all sides of it. And they have determined based on that science and reviewed from by their peers that this opinion based on the science has legs to, to stand up and, and um, suffer the scrutiny of other scientific views. And that's called uh, peer review. It's been reviewed by their peers that the vaccines are working, the technology of mRNA is, is, is viable, the FDA has approved that, and what we're also saying in that scientific review is that the R variant, or sorry, the D variant is here because it matures, that the virus is a living thing and it looks for weakness to go, go find a way to continue to live. Well, that's how the D variant was created is because COVID was being counteracted by, by a vaccine, but it continued to look and learn and grow and change, and it changed into the D variant. If we would have continued our vaccination process and protocols and got ahead of it faster, the D variant may not have existed, or it may have existed in a much weaker form, but it got a, got a foothold and we got a D variant. So that's just like a cold. There's various versions of a cold. It's just like influenza. I choose to take a, a flu vaccine because I know by doing that, it protects my body. It doesn't mean I don't get the flu. It may mean I don't get the flu and, and recognize the fact that it is the flu. I may just have one day or afternoon of feeling badly. And, and I move on because my body has been prepared to react to that, uh, that virus. I'm trying to make it as practically related as possible, but that is the science. Regretfully, we don't have enough scientific emphasis in our schools these days so that people understand what they need to do in their daily lives, like what we've communicated through the, the COVID epidemic. Wash your hands, watch your spacing. If you cough or sneeze, cover up if you anticipate it coming and make sure that you're taking care of yourself in those regards and protecting others around you which is the rationale for the masks. Now look at, I know that there are different kinds of masks out there. I've been asked questions about uh, a three-ply mask, an N95 mask, all different versions of masks, double masking or not double masking. If, you're in an, if you are in an environment where the proclivity of the virus is higher, the occurrences are higher, you should probably be double masking. You might even be, have to be shielding and double masking because that's, you're in that environment. That's what the medical professionals have to do. If you're out and about, a three-ply mask, you know, those blue ones that have the little elastic straps that you have the little metal piece for your nose, that's fine enough. Now, people will say, well, but there's a gap here and there's a gap here. Well, then that's why you social distance. You six feet apart. When you go into a building, you, don't, you wanna make sure that if somebody who's not masked doesn't care about sneezing without covering up, that's why you wanna make sure you social distance, even though you're wearing a mask. It's not perfect. There's no absolute 100% perfect coverage for this. There is a risk. So if you've been vac vaccinated and you wear a mask, you have less likelihood of getting the disease again or at all. But at the same time, if in fact it's a D variant, you might get D variant.
I know of people who have been vaccinated for COVID, but they got the D variant because they had immune issues, immune deficiency issues, and they got the D variant, but they didn't go to the hospital. They, were, they didn't feel well, they got sick. So here's what we're talking about today. As we stream to you through KUHS on a Friday, we're talking about performance issues, your individual performance as it deals with preparing your kids for school. As Amy Morin talked about, getting ready for school is an issue for moms and dads. And they have the same tools available to them to get ready for school. 12 years old and higher, get vaccinated. If you're younger than 12 years old, wear a mask. Wear your Spider-Man mask. Wear your, you know, uh, Iron Man mask. Your Superman, whatever mask you want to wear. Wear a mask with a big smile on it. I don't care. Wear a mask, especially when you go inside. We're talking about pre preparation and performance with a plan. We've talked about the three P's before. Make a plan, prepare your plan, and perform. Deliver the results that are going to help you be the best that you can be. And if you're sick, you're not able to be the best you can be. So make sure that you help yourself with those plans. That's what I'm asking you to do. Now, as I do that, I'm going to take a pause just for a second and talk a little bit about what our shows are going to be like for next week. We're going to have some uh, interesting conversations next week uh, about um, the upcoming uh, NCAA football season. It's almost here. We'll be within the first week of the NFL season. Next week, we're going to talk about that. We're going to have some guest uh, speakers with us. I've got a, a kind of a, a panel, if you will. I'm, I'm waiting to disclose the names because I want to make sure I've got them locked in before I get you all excited about that. But uh, next week is, is going to be dedicated to football and football performance and how we uh, look at that as a fan, but also how we look at it from the perspective of the coach and coach's preparation, coach's plan in that preparation to deliver performances on the field. It's going to be a great couple of weeks, this weekend being one, and then the next week and the week after. There's some great college football coming. I'm really uh, excited about the Big Ten. The Big Ten is making some really interesting uh, scheduling uh, decisions. Uh, a majority of the Big Ten uh, teams are playing conference games as their openers for the season. That's really extraordinary. Typically, you see an NCAA team uh, play a not-so-high-quality team uh, to draw that draws attention to their program but also allows that Big Ten or that, that larger conference, Division I conference team to, uh, I wouldn't say easy win, but they get a win, um, and that helps the competitive spirit of that other team to kind of project itself and get ready for their season, play a, play a tough opponent before they get into their conference. Uh, so typically that's a Division II uh, team that the, the, the Division One teams play to get themselves ready for the season. Well, there's some there's some interesting interesting matchups. We're going to talk about those matchups uh, next week. We're also going to talk about the NFL season and what that means. I I am uh, boy I'm cons not cons uh, concerned is not the right word. I'm um, challenged to give an opinion about the NFL season because. The Broncos, as an example, they've done really well in their preseason. There's only three preseason games, but there's typically four. And what's interesting, there were negotiations offseason about having a bye week in that first week, which gives uh, NFL franchises a chance to kind of rest, get ready, gear up, to really launch 
their season after the preseason three games. But in those three games, the Broncos, for example, have done pretty well. Now they've got a challenge this week with uh, pretty much the first team is going to run out there. I, you know, everybody's going to be different, but I think the Broncos have uh, given us an indication that uh, the first team squad is going to be out for a few minutes in the first quarter to get their their um, their taste of the season. It's going to be an interesting uh, play for the Broncos this weekend. Um, but then after that, second team squad and, and so on will get their their choices made. I don't, <laughs> I don't envy the coaches having to make decisions, Broncos in particular, but across the board, making decisions about who's going to make this, the roster um, and who's going to make the practice squad. And unfortunately and regretfully, who might get cut and let go. Uh, we've got some talented folks. Notice that we've won the first two games and it's been primarily secondary squads. Uh, out there, uh, the uh, the two the two the two roster positions are out there, and they're playing tough. We've got some talented people out there, uh, so the coaches have some tough decisions to make. That's what next week is all about for us here at 360 Performance on our shows, streaming to you from KUHS every Friday at 11 o'clock um, Mountain Standard Time. So grateful to be here, um, having some wonderful uh, messages being shared this morning with. Uh, Amy Moran, congratulations to her family and her sister for delivering a nine pound plus young man, young person, young male person coming into our world uh, through uh, the wonderful supportive uh, systems at Avista Hospital uh, here in the Denver metro area. So congratulations to, the, um, to Amy Moran and her family and her sister, her first baby. Uh, brought into the world. It's a challenge um, in today's world. Uh, we are definitely a, a global influence uh, in today's world. So blessings to them and everybody in that family. Now, continuing on with our conversation about going back to school. Um, one of the aspects of going back to school is not just the academic side. We've got the events side. I had the opportunity to touch base with some of my uh, friends and colleagues at Niwot High School. The Niwot High School women's volleyball team had their season opener at uh, Mead High School. And I had a chance to go visit the head coach there, uh, Daisha Ago. Uh, coach Daisha um, and her team I got a chance to see some of the, the seniors who I had a chance to uh, interact with when they were freshmen uh, at Niwot. But now they're seniors. They grow up so fast. Um, so uh, Zoe Gibbs, a shout out to Zoe in her senior season. Congratulations too. She committed to UNC uh, and the volleyball program there. Such a great uh, opportunity with uh, UNC for, for Zoe Gibbs to um, help them and their program going forward and, and wishing her the best for her four years of eligibility at uh, UNC. But that being said, um, we got you're preparing your athletes uh, for school, academic as well as the sport. And interestingly enough, uh, not every program is the same. So the, the women of Niwot Volleyball were playing with masks on, and that's, that's a challenge. But it's also got its flexibilities. Um, it's, not everybody is built to breathe through a mask as an athlete. Uh, so dropping it down below your nose just you know, do what needs to be done and then adjust and adapt if you're asked to change. Uh, that's part of being a high performance athlete is the, the adjusting and adapting to the challenges that the game presents. In the last couple of years, uh, the challenge of wearing a mask 
wasn't part of your agenda prior to that. It's not necessarily, it wasn't necessarily part of your practice routine. But coaches have also adjusted and adapted. They are practicing with masks on so that the, the uh, players are able to uh, uh, function appropriately. Um, it, it was good to see that uh, the Niwa women's volleyball team, they won their uh, in one in four. They took the match in four against Meade um, this, this week. Um, and that's a good thing to see, but not without challenges. So I asked the coaches, I asked Coach Dacia, you know, what do you say to your team? It's a little bit more direct than moms letting the, the kids go at the door to get to school uh, and, and the lessons learned. The coaches have a little bit more firmer approach. It is what it is, right? Adjust and adapt. We have to do the best you can in your adjustments when you're wearing the mask. If you struggle with your breathing, let it down a little bit. Take a few breaths, get recovered. That That's also part of the strategy, then put it back. But we don't have a lot of time to empathize with you and or coddle you. It's a competitive sport. So there, there's a difference in the horizon and the sets of what needs to happen on the, on the court or on the field. Now, I haven't had a chance to talk to a lot of high school football, player or football players or coaches, but they are, um, they are adapting and adjusting as well uh, to what they need to do. We have soccer programs, and when you're outdoors, it's different than when you're indoors. Uh, sideline behaviors. I think you're going to see as parents and fans, you're going to see players on the sidelines take their helmets off, put a mask on. If they're standing next to a coach with their helmet on, ready to go in on a transition uh, from offense to defense, special teams to offense or defense, you're going to see masks being worn if you're not wearing a helmet. But if you're wearing a helmet ready to go in, you're not wearing a mask. It's going to be on the sidelines and you're going to go into the game and you're going to play. Um, I'm hoping that in Colorado, those are kids of age to be vaccinated. Athletic directors have a very, very difficult and tenuous situation they're faced with regarding uh, vaccines because there's also the, the district as well as the administration. So you've got district level administration uh, and the potential for mandates with the FDA um, approving the Pfizer vaccine, I, I, I'm not even gonna hazard to guess or uh, give an opinion on it. If there's so many different things. I personally, if I was a coach, I would set an example as a coach and I would be vaccinated. I am vaccinated. I'm of an age where I could be, I, I am eligible for a booster um, in November if I choose to wanna take it. But I'm not immune deficient. I'm deficient in other ways, some would say. I get closer and closer to November, I will make a choice on whether I get a booster or not because I will be eligible for a booster. Uh, I took the, visor, the Pfizer vaccine when I took it, but I need to be ready to perform. I need to be ready to go to see a team, go to see an athlete. I need to make sure that my medical profile allows me the opportunity to engage with my athletes. So if I need to get a booster vaccine because it's, it's part of what the eligibility for me to interact with pro, Olympic, or amateur teams, then I will get the booster. Regardless of what my predilection, predilection is, I'll get a booster because I want to interact and, and perform my services with my contracted teams and, and, and players. That doesn't mean I always have to. There may be teams that say, oh, coach, you're fine. Well, I've got other teams that say, coach, you're not fine. So I'll get the booster and I'll wear the mask. I've got corporate clients that I will wear the mask in their environments. 
In some cases, I don't have to wear the mask because they ask me not to. They don't require me to, but I will because of the environment. And there's others in that environment who are not vaccinated and I don't want to be exposed to them without a mask on because I have other clients that respect me and trust me to do my job and to profile myself in a way that's going to be, and I use the word term profile uh, as, as defining the, the, the guidelines and parameters that I acquiesce to so that I do the right thing and, and protecting them as well as myself. That's the kind of uh, position I need to put myself in. And I'm sharing that with you because it's part of the performance issues we need to make sure that we're participating in um, and, and doing, the, doing the right thing in that participation. Thanks again for being with me. Talk about performance issues here at 360 Performance. Every Friday, we, we try to bring you the best and the most leading edge kind of insights on what's going on in our, in our world about performance. Um, it's sports-based, it's uh, activities around sports, and school is one of those activities. So today's theme is about getting prepared for school. There are some schools that are already, the districts are already actively engaged in, 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 in educating the young people. Some are yet to get, get going. I know uh, I've, my grandkids, they don't start school for another 10 days. Um, they, uh, they're after the holiday. Uh, they're, I think it's the week of uh, September 12th, so after the 6th of September, they're going to be starting school. Uh, they have a partial week that week of the 6th, that holiday week. But that, that's, that's a little late for me. I'm not used to that. Usually it's, you know, I'm, I'm used to being doing something in the middle of August as a teacher and educator and administrator. And then the teachers come in for their workshops. And then the kids are right after that in that last week in August. So many schools have already started. And some will start um, uh, next week uh, for a, a partial week with their kids. Um, but we're streaming to you live every Friday, uh, bringing you the best that we can on performance issues. And when I, when I talk about performance issues, I also talk about uh, the, the how to get to know people, because part of the performance issue is being able to understand who are you, why are you in the place that you're in, and what skill sets do you bring to the table in, the, in your presence? Um, you know, we're not perfect, right? We have deficiencies. So part of that examination and that understanding of who are you and your, your desires, what drives you, we try to measure, measure what we, we do. So I use a measurement tool called an RMP that I helped develop. It's uh, on my website at 360mindset.com. Check that out uh, and go look for the RMP uh, assessment. Because if you're interested in finding out where, where are the areas that you're strong in, your, your strongest desires, and how do they interact with those areas of your desires that you're, yeah, you, you've, got a, you've got a drive for, but you're not quite sure or confident enough in the delivery of it. That assessment will give you a numerical value of what the strength is in those desires so that if you have a, have a chance to talk to me, we'll, we'll identify those desires and blend them together so that we can bring the right training tools to you to build your strengths, continue to ex execute those strengths, but at the same time, be aware of where is it that you need help from your teammates, where is it you need help from your coaches, and the proper resources to bring to bear to help you be the best you can be. I'm, I'm really grateful for being here today. Um, we've got about 10 minutes left in our show today to share with you some of the insights that I have gained recently about 
preparing athletes for school. We're talking about high school and college athletes getting ready for their programs. Uh, And as next week we'll show, we're going to talk about the NCAA uh, college uh, uh, football program starting. We've got uh, college soccer is going on as well as college volleyball is going on. Um, football is a primary sport, a major sport. We're going to talk a little bit next week. In addition to the sports starting, we're going to talk about the preparation of athletes regarding their, um, their name, their image, and their likeness. It's, called, it's shortened up with NIL. And in preparing athletes in, at the high school level, I've had to have conversations about their performance as it relates to their ability in their senior year. High school athletes, I'll use basketball as an example. Basketball players at the high school level as a senior can be approached by what's called a manager. A manager that will help them prepare themselves for their college um, recruitment. Uh, If it's a football player, same thing. Uh, You may have heard of the the five-star ratings. Football players who get rated as a five-star athlete, basketball players who get rated as a four- or five-star athlete can engage a manager to help them manage their name, their image, and their likeness. Because now in college, as of July 1st of this year, those high school athletes that come in as, as college freshmen can receive remuneration for their name, their image, and their likeness as an endorser. So your jersey being sold at the bookstore, you could actually gain some income from that. Social media, if you fashion yourself an influencer and you have a following as a senior, you could actually get some economic income from that effort. And as seniors, you're entitled to engage a manager. There are NCAA guidelines for managing that and monitoring that. But in certain states, Colorado not being one of them, but in states like Texas, Alabama, Arkansas, uh, there's other states that have, in the last few years, they have laws in their states about managing the na- your name, your image, and your likeness. In this case, for athletics, but it could be for other things. You could be a game maker. You could make video games, uh, uh, apps for, for games, and your name, image, and likeness could be part of that. Or you might be using somebody else's name, image, and likeness in your game. Well, now you can get benefit from that economically. You can have uh, yourself be considered an influencer and and endorse products and get paid for it. Well, they've extended that. The NCAA has made a ruling on that as of July 1st of this year that they're acknowledging that being able to be happening. So I've been having conversations with athletes about not only preparing themselves for their high school sport, as it relates to COVID and making sure that you're you're properly protected from a health perspective, but now you've got to manage that obstacle. You can't let that obstacle get in your head and, and, and cause you to hesitate in your ability to perform on the field of play or the court to deliver what you need to deliver so colleges look at you and value your name, image, and likeness. That's important stuff to remember. You now have the choice to engage a manager. Now remember, the NCAA says if it's a manager that you're engaging, it's gotta be somebody connected to an agency. That's the way the colleges can regulate this. You wanna make sure you do it the right way. If you have any questions about this, reach out to my 360mindset.com website. 360-360-mindset.com and I can answer some of those questions for you. I've 
I'm connected with managers and agents that work the, the system the right way. You want to do it the right way so that you don't influence in a negative way your eligibility as a college athlete. But as a senior in high school, you could have the skill sets. If you're considered an elite athlete, where you're going to get rated as a four or five star athlete in basketball and football, or my examples, you get rated that high, you could become, on social media in particular, you could become an influencer and be considered an endorser of product through that social media influencer um, image. Now, not everybody's built for that. Remember, only 2% of high school athletes actually get recruited into, into college at that elite division one level where your image, your name, and your likeness could be used. And it continues at about a 2% rate of being drafted into pro, the pro sport. So what's being considered by marketers in the college ranks, if you, if you think, you know what? I've got a pretty good, pretty good image. I'm going to be an impact player at college, but I don't know if I'm going to go to the pros. Well, if that's your thought, you might still be an influencer in college, but you don't go on to the pros. But you also may be an influencer enough and athletically skilled enough to go on to Olympic prowess. Track and field is a good example of that. There are no, well, there is pros track and field, but the real moneymaker for track and field athletes is in the Olympic arena. That extends your career. That opens up your, your name, image, and likeness to a global name, image, and likeness influencer. So the predictions in the marketing world, in sports marketing, is Olympics and Olympic athletes have the greatest chance to raise their dollar values as influencers far more than a college athlete. I'm not diminishing the college athlete. You could still make some pretty good extra money over and above whatever scholarship dollars you might get as becoming an influencer. Now, if I've already confused you and your eyes are glazing over and spinning back in your head, join the crowd. NCAA has, even with their announcement of allowing this to happen, as of July 1 of this year, this NIL name, image, and likeness um, issues, it's going to be confusing. Make sure you find the right people. Talk to the athletic directors at your college that you're, you're considering. Talk to your high school athletic directors if you think that you're an elite performer as a senior and will need an a manager to help you manage this landscape. Get the right people. I can't emphasize that enough. And make sure you're vaccinated. Try to be vaccinated. <laughs> Look at it because when you go to college, there are some colleges you won't be able to play unless you are vaccinated. Make it happen early. Protect yourself. Use social distancing. Wear a mask, even if you're vaccinated. Because the D variant could make you asymptomatic for the D variant. So you don't want to spread it to somebody else. So wear a mask indoors if you're vaccinated. If you're not vaccinated, please get vaccinated. Or at least wear a mask. This is Lowell Whiteman, Dr. Whiteman, coach to others on uh, 360 Mindset. Every Friday, we broadcast 360 Performance here for you to learn about performance issues so that you can strive to be your best. Next week, we're going to talk about more um, about the uh, NFL season coming up. We have our last week of uh, preseason games. Then we're going to have a bye week. Then we have NCAA 
Uh, season openers are coming up uh, this weekend. Next, Actually, the next three weekends are big starter weekends for NCAA uh, college football. Some really great, great games coming up early. Uh, schools like Alabama, uh, Miami, uh, Florida, the, the Florida State Seminoles, uh, all of them are playing some really competitive games to start off the season. In the Big Ten, uh, there's a Nebraska-Illinois uh, game happening. Uh, that's early in the season. A lot of the Big Ten teams are opening their season with a conference game. It's going to be very interesting. I'm interested in knowing about what's going to happen with the physical capabilities of pro pro teams. We've had a great opening season in the preseason with the Broncos. Not a lot of injuries. Wonderful, wonderful performances uh, by the teams that uh, are by the the players on the team with the Broncos. It's been a, a wonderful start. But I'm wondering. How well prepared are they? I know some of the players. I've been following them in the offseason. They're pretty pretty well prepared physically. They've, they've over-prepared. People like Vaughn Miller have extended themselves even more. He's going to be playing this weekend um, along with other starters that didn't play the first two games. So I'm interested to see how well that off-season training is going to has prepared them for longevity throughout the season. Um, it's, it's a 17-game season, so... Let's see what happens, right? So we're going to talk more about that next week. Um, I'll, I'll leave it out there. Our special guests will be joining us as a kind of a panel discussion about the NCAA college football season um, as well as the NFL start. May the fans in the stands enjoy the celebrations of a first for 2021, bringing back football, both NCAA and NFL. Enjoy. Have a great day.